Um, Yahweh, thank you again, again for allowing me to go into your treasury, to share with they that would listen and them that have spiritual hearing to open to be open and lean into your word, Father God, and those that are eager to learn and hear the truth, your knowledge and your wisdom, Father God, to give them the opportunity to say, yes, I will, I do, let's go. We'll follow Jesus Christ. Do want to have faith in you. Let's go down the road wherever you take me that they have an opportunity to be able to do that. And they take an opportunity, make the opportunity to do that. And then they'll say, I will, I do, let's go. And they do have faith in you and they will go down whatever path you lead, Father God. Abba Yahweh, Amman, Yeshua, Amman, Barakritos, Amman. So brothers and sisters, that is the important thing. And, and it's becoming apparent to me um, I see day by day that there are many that are claiming their Christianity and yet um, failing in reflecting any bit of light of being a Christian and remember, I've shared with you countless times, and I'll do so again. As I say, anything that's important bears repeating, and everything out of God's treasury is important. And when I share in the spirit of God and in Christ, it all bears repeating. So... We have to be reflective of that light. We have to be showing that light. And when you claim the title and you do not share it, you do not show it, you do not reflect it, then you're a liar. Plain and simple, bottom line. And John talks about that in his gospel that he wrote. And if you claim to have it, don't show it, don't reflect it, don't forgive and do everything contrary, completely contrary to the word of God. And then you keep using the the term, I'm a Christian or I'm a disciple of Christ. You're a liar. And you say that you have God in you, but you don't do any of the things that it talks about in the Bible. You're a liar, period, plain and simple. Just like... God forgives us, we must forgive others. And if you fail in forgiveness, and yet you keep claiming that, then you are endangering your walk. Yes, brothers and sisters, endangering your walk. Because if you won't forgive, and yet you claim to be this child of God and a Christian, air quotes, which I hate. I don't actually do. I hate those things. <laughs> um, and then you fail to be forgiving and you don't forgive, then you're endangering your life. And when I say that, I say that in perishing, because if you walk in your walk and you do the things in you that you profess uh, in outward appearance... 
only and that you don't do these things as you're supposed to as the Bible teaches, then you're endangering your your spiritual walk and your spiritual life because it's important that we do those things that we're told to do. Does that mean that everyone, does that mean that I walk a perfect life, a perfect Christian walk? No, there is not one here until he who is perfect has come, and that would be the only perfection on this planet would be Jesus Christ. When he comes again, then there will be perfection here. Does that mean that I try really hard? Yes. And there are others that don't? Yes. So what we need to do, what we just need to do is is the importance is to understand that we try to do the things that the word says to do. And when it and we need to practice and we have to do so continually. Will you have failure in that? Yes, you will. Yes, I will. Does that mean that you are a failure? No, it does not. Does it mean that I'm a failure? No, it does not. It just means in that particular instance, you fail to complete what you're supposed to do according to the scripture, according to the word of God, according to the teachings. You only failed in that instance, and then you repent, and you get up, and you keep on walking. (coughs) Pardon me. (coughs) Excuse me. Satan would prefer that we stop walking and we consider ourselves to be an utter failure. Why would God want to listen to me? Why does God's not going to listen to my prayers? He's not listening to me. I don't get any answers. And on down the road, yada, yada, yada. Satan feeds this to us. Sadly, there are so many that actually believe that. And this, brothers and sisters, because they're not walking in faith, they're walking only on what they can see and what's tangible before them. As many followers as Jesus Christ had, and then when he went to the Mount of Olives, when he was getting ready to part that last time, in the scripture, it says many walked away. Many just left. They turned and left. Why? Because Jesus was leaving them physically. They didn't have it in their heart to stay true to the word. And they left. They just walked away. They caved in to their weakness. They caved into the uh, white noise interference. And they, yeah, they failed. They failed Terribly. Now, it doesn't say that some might have come back and repented and said, hey, I gotta, I've got to stay with this because the Lord told me to. It doesn't describe in the written word. It just says that many walked away. And today, brothers and sisters, there are many that are doing that now. Sadly, there are those that are have claimed to be... Uh, pastors or deacons or elders or leaders in a church, and they have done that very thing. They've grown weary and tired of uh, either sharing the word or praying and not seeing a tangible evidence to it being done. But brothers and sisters, I tell you right now, every single thing that I have, I see around me in my 
my home and all these things and, and what the Lord provides me, <laughs> there's too much evidence in my life that I can't, I can't walk away. I can't deny it. I can't ignore what is here and what is real. And when I know that I personally could not do on my own, and then it's done, I know that's God. That's God in my life, and God is allowing, and God will do these things for us. We focus on him first. The scripture tells us if we focus on those things, for seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. Seek ye first the knowledge, truth, and wisdom of God. And he will provide the desires of your heart. Now, does that mean that you go out and you pray for a Maserati, Lamborghini, and all these estates and all this stuff? Be wise in your prayers, okay? Be wise in your prayers. Don't pray for foolish temporal thing. Why would you want to pray for something so temporal? That's not a godly thing. And why is that? Because that's a showboat item. You want to show out something that you have that somebody else doesn't have. That's all that's about. All that's about. And brothers and sisters and those that are listening who would like to be you have to understand, you have to separate because you don't want to do things like that to be telling others, look what I have, look what you don't have, nah, 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 you know. What's the point in that? That's like the individuals that say, the one who has the most prizes at the end, they win. What do you win? What are you getting? We all lay down in the dust from which we came. And what is it? You work so hard, you see little of your children, they grow up resentful because you were never at any of their games, never went to school programs, never went to any family reunions. You were too tired or you were away on business or you were at work all the time. And that goes for man or woman who's ever in that position. Gone all the time. And then ultimately and sadly what happens is when the children are grown and go to school because you have those Couples that's oh we're staying together for the children's sake. Well, what the heck is that all about? That's that's pointless, actually. And what kind of reasonable family life is there being when you're pretending something that isn't real? You're pretending to be a Christian. You're pretending to be this uh, family that isn't even existing because you or your spouse is gone working all the time, and then the children can overhear arguments all the time because you're constantly bitter and bickering about work and being gone and that the children have a program that you kept promising you'll be there for, and then you miss again and again and again and again. So what are you winning by putting that much work into it, really? And that much work that you separate yourself from the things that are important. 
this is the focal point that you have to look on. What is the important thing? And brothers and sisters, that doesn't mean that you can't be successful or you shouldn't dream to be that. But here's the thing. When you put your focus and keep God-centered and keep your focus on God and walk in faith, God provides so many things. So here's the important thing too, is that when you pray for God's will to be done, you can't keep picking it up and say, well, you haven't answered yet. Um, you know, is this going to happen? What's going to happen? What's, you know, I don't, I didn't see it. I hear, wait a second. You don't give something to somebody and have them to take care of it and then keep saying, you got that done yet? You got that done yet? You got that done yet? Hey, when's that going to get done? You didn't, there's not a deadline. And with God's timing, you can't sit there and tap the back of your watch, tap your foot and sit there and sit there. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we got it yet? Did you do it yet? When am I going to get it? I don't see it. You can't keep doing that because God's timing is the import. It's not up to us, brothers and sisters. It is not up to us. You can have a victorious life through our dependence on God and putting him centered. And a victorious life means, victor what, is, what is it to you, brothers and sisters, victorious? Winning. Yahoo, we won. We crossed the finish line. We made it. Does that mean that you had a whole bunch of stuff that you can show out? No, it doesn't. Does that mean that you are going to heaven and that you've shared the word with, of God with others and the gospel of Jesus Christ with others so that they could have the opportunity? Yes, it does. That's victory. I would like to have things. And honestly, I, 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 I thought that I would be in a much better place than I am right now, especially at my age. But as I've shared with you, had I been the man of God that I was intended to be, <coughs> pardon me, that I was intended to be, instead of worrying about what the appearance was to everyone else, then I would have seen a much different outcome. But you can't live in what I would have done, what I should have done, and what I could have done because the past does not belong to you in that respect. Look to the past and see when God was walking with us, like I've shared with you the lithograph. You look back and you see the footprints in the sand. And what's the first thing that people want to do when they only see one set and there were two? Oh, good. You just walked off and left me. No, because God will never leave nor forsake you. When there was one set of footprints in the sand, God reminds you gently, no, I didn't. That's when I was carrying you and your footprints are not visible. That 
is the God that I know. That is the God that we must have faith in and believe his truths. For me, brothers and sisters, it's fairly simple because he shows me constantly, even in the midst of hard things going on, I believe that God is still with me and I believe that ultimately it's going to happen that I'm going to come through on the other side and things are going to be fine. He provides me with everything that I need. I need. Here's the other huge, huge error that people walk into and walk through and and hold on to is that they confuse their wants and their needs. God knows what we need, but because they're not getting what they want, they say God is not answering my prayer. Oh, yes, he is. He gave you what you needed. He might not have given you what you wanted, but what you needed, you got. You received what you needed. So here's the other thing, too. You have to have integrity in your in your prayer in your prayer process. You can't sit there. Well, you know, God, I'd really like to win this $190 million lotto. That would really be great. So if you allow that to happen, that's awesome. That'd be great. And I'll do this and I'll do that. And, you know, just that lotto. Well, what kind of empty prayer is that? First of all, God knows your heart. What are you going to do with that $190 million? God already knows. And I would wager to say that 99.9999999% of the people that would claim that they're going to do this or that or this or that don't do this or that or this or that. They do exactly the opposite. They do for self. And I've seen example when the when the lotteries were first coming into uh, existence in the states, and there were. This is this is so. Well, it doesn't surprise me really, and it's so truthful now as it was then. But yeah, I remember when they first started. I've been around for a little while. So anyway, these folks they get a win. They get a winning ticket and they win. And then what do they start doing? Do they do they pray for any kind of guidance or leadership or anything? No, none. They listen to the voice of mammon and they listen to the white noise interference and they go out and they start spending like crazy. Well, they didn't change anything in their lives at all and they still function as if they were living beforehand. So what they did is they put them, themselves in debt so that each time that they received anything from it, it was already spent because they overextended much more than what they had going on, but they overextended into the next step, which was their being wealthy, but they had nothing. They had nothing because they were already indebted to what they were buying to have the more toys. Need to get a new house over here, get a new house over there, and get a new house over here, and you gotta have a chauffeur. Oh my gosh, you have to have a chauffeur. You can't you can't drive yourself around anymore. Oh no, you can't do that. So then they start leasing all this and they have to pay the chauffeurs and they wind up broke, bankrupt, and so in debt that basically what they would have been getting is now indebted to someone else. 
And foolishly, they turn around and try to sue the state and the lottery commission to try to recoup what they foolishly threw away because nobody told us how we're supposed to be a winner or how to spend the money. Well, excuse me. So your ignorance, your foolishness, you try to put on someone else. There are scriptures about this in the book of Proverbs. Go through Proverbs. Very, very interesting reading through there. And I find that I step into some of these. So I have to be cautious about what I do and, and act. So I, that's why you stay in the word. The word will guide you through. You have to stay in the word. But people will do things like that. And they they regrettably, there are many I see within the body that do the very same thing. They go to church and do all this stuff here, but they want to put the onus on someone else not accepting their own responsibility in what was doing. Why? Because they wanted to be the one in charge. They wanted to be the one to decide. And they were not putting God and Christ first or being led by the Holy Spirit. And then they want to put the onus on others that are in life around them or on God. They want to assess the blame. So when you put the onus on somebody else, I, I'm sorry, I, I'm not trying to speak above anybody and I don't want people to get their knickers in a twist when I explain things like that because here's the deal, brothers and sisters and those that are not out there. Ignorance is not bad, okay? Ignorance has nothing to do with being stupid, okay? Let's get that straight. If you're ignorant, you just don't have information on things. So when I say things like I want to explain or I explain and expound on the word onus, some people might, might not understand that. Or in my talking about it, they might have got what it means. What that does mean is that you want to not accept your responsibility and that responsibility you want to put on somebody else. And that's going on today and in the in the church body, those that are claiming to be Christian but are not, their reality is somewhere else. They always want to put the onus on somebody else. They want to assess the blame, essentially, is what they're doing. They always want to blame someone else for either their errors in life. They want to blame God. They want to blame fellow uh, churchgoers. They want to blame co-workers. They don't want to accept the responsibility. The onus goes on somebody else, never where it belongs. So anyway, that's what that means. And there are many that just look to see who they can blame for something. A favorite target for many is God. Oh, why did God allow that to happen? Why did God allow this to happen? Why is God doing this? Why is God doing that? Well, brothers and sisters, you have to understand something here. Is that God created us with choice. So when you put yourself in a dangerous position and then something bad happens because you don't follow recommendations, you don't follow guidelines, you don't follow truth, you don't follow um, responsible actions, and then something detrimental happens the first thing that people want to do is to blame God. 
Why did God do that? First of all, God's not going to do anything that's going to cause you harm. There may be an allowance for things to happen in there, but if you put yourself in the path of danger and you put yourself in that and you don't take any responsibility for um, self-preservation, say, let's put it that way, and you just... That's... Let's make a, a, here's another analogy. So if you walk up to this building and you step up on a ledge and then somebody says, what are you doing? What are you doing? You say, ah, God's going to save me. And then you jump off. Um, The likelihood of you splattering on the cement below is very, very high because you don't, That is what, um, if you go all the way back to Genesis and way back up there, and then thou shalt not tempt thy Lord thy God. That means that you don't put yourself in a position and then say God's going to take care of me or take care of this situation. You don't place yourself there and then put the onus on God to make it correct. If you put yourself in the position to willfully and purposefully cause harm or damage to either yourself or somebody else. That's not appropriate. It's not responsible, okay? We don't do things like that. Don't do it. Because the likelihood of you hitting that cement, breaking your neck, being paralyzed for the rest of your life, or even unto the point of death, That onus is on yourself and not on God. You can't blame God. And then what's going to happen? How responsible is that? That What kind of an example is that that you're going to lead that you willfully put yourself in a position to do that and then you say that God's going to take care of you because he told you you would and then you jump off? Yeah, God said he's going to be with us in all things and he doesn't want us to be harmed, but if you willfully put yourself there and then you're going to have a half a dozen people that were standing there looking at you being a jerk, a fool, and not understanding the whole scripture. Why? Because you took things out of context. <clears throat> then you jump. And then what kind of an example did you just set for them? Wow. What kind of God? Look at that. Oh, man, that's ugly down there. And they look over the edge of the building. And there you are in this big mosaic on the cement. They're going to say, wow. Man, God isn't real. He, what a fool he was. What an idiot, man. Jumped off there and, man, there is no God. You just reinforce for them exactly what the enemy tries to get them to believe. By putting yourself into that foolish position, you're going to stand, I'll be on the edge of the roadway, and then all of a sudden you step out in front of a vehicle and say, that's all right, God's got this. Boom. You get knocked down or maybe knocked down the road about 100 feet because the fool was way over the speed limit anyway. Brothers and sisters, we have to be, <laughs> we have to be aware of what we are doing. We have to have spiritual integrity when we share things. And when you take yourself and put yourself into harm's way and then make an open declaration that God's going to take care of you because he said he would, but putting yourself in that position and putting yourself in harm's way and making a public display of foolishness, 
you are going to be sadly disappointed because you are maybe going to wind up on the dead end. We're not talking about a street either. And then what you've just done is you just reinforced the enemy's interference with their mindset already. You just helped him in his purpose and will is to cause doubt, distrust, and unbelief, and you just help to reinforce that. What kind of gospel is that teaching? That's teaching the gospel of Satan and his minions. That's not teaching the gospel of good of Christ. Pardon me for using that term too, because the word gospel is actually a Latin term and actually a compound term from uh, from Greek and Latin together combined. And it means good news. I'm sorry, let me retract that statement, not the gospel of Satan, because there is no good news from him. Father, forgive me for that. I wasn't thinking it was talking too fast. Forgive me. But the white noise interference and the static that is being taught from the minions of Satan, even individuals that are being used because um, in the physical realm, there are those that are part of Satan's minions. And we see it all, we can just look around and they're promoting this agenda. The agenda that's going on, and everybody's claiming about the politics and the party side and this and that and the other. It's got nothing to do with party. It's got nothing to do with that. The, the ideals behind it, they are being manipulated and they are part of the minions of Satan because he can manipulate people, their thought process. Uh, he can't he doesn't physically, I mean, he can send these things to them and he sends the thoughts and then their, their weak minds, they choose to follow that direction. So you have to be cautious in this, brothers and sisters. Don't reinforce that. We are here to reinforce the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ came, he sacrificed himself, his blood is over us, and we have authority over these things. We do have authority. Jesus Christ gave us that authority. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, as a follower of the Lord Jesus, we have that authority. But many, 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 believe that we don't have and that we cannot stand up to that and they don't grasp that authority. Brothers and sisters, I find myself falling prey to that sometimes <clears throat> and it hurts me in my heart that I do, but then many times before I step into it, the Holy Spirit grasps, grabs me by my hand and, and gives me a little kind of a, a tug and I know that, oh, wait a minute, what am I doing? I have authority over that. And even this silly device that I am using for a sharing of the gospel and that God has permitted me to have this platform that I can use and share with people. And this tool has become a device for wickedness because the prince of the air manipulates everything on here. Why do you think there's so much negativity and hatred and derision and all the things? When you go on and you look through the post, there are so many things going on. You have individuals that on, on the social media network, I learned that there are folks that are called trolls. And what do they do? They, great, they have no greater delight than to get into the system and start an argument. That's all they want to do. They want to see how many responses 
people will get to some egregious statement that they made. They might not even know who the person is that they're talking about, but they make a statement that is so outrageous and then they want to see how many people respond to it. And then what they do is they pick people and then they have this texting argument going back and forth. Oh yeah, well, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, you're, what you just said, blah, blah, blah. And back and forth and back and forth and back and forth it goes. And they bait people. That's all they're doing is they're baiting. Satan and his minions are working diligently in that same end, brothers and sisters. White noise interference to take the focus away from Jesus Christ, the Lord God Almighty, and the walk in faith that you should be walking in. To succumb to that white noise and that interference. Brothers and sisters, it's a, it's a hard walk. It's not an easy walk. Never said that it would be. And when you fall down, it does not make you a failure. And here's where we fall prey to a lot of this stuff is that people will usually associate their being victorious or prosperous or all this stuff with success and not falling or stumbling. Let me let me put this to you here. And there were there are many that claim, except for those that are blinded by their own arrogance and their own self-centeredness is that their reflection into all the mirrors around the wall that reflect back on them and they don't have many pictures of anybody else but they have a lot of mirrors why because they like to see themselves in the midst of the room in the midst of everything about them is all about them not anyone else and there are individuals that call themselves self-made and and you know they did this and they pick themselves excuse me First of all, let me take away from that with this fact. No one ever is self-made. Either they, either God lifted them up from the mire and lifted them up and associated them with being his child and wanted them to be successful. So no one is self-made in that respect. Also, what about parents that got that child through school or diligently made an effort. And then you have many that were in a broken home. But what about the parent that was with them? That worked hard to get them out. Or they had a grandma or a grandpa or aunt and uncle that was constantly there for them and trying to help them up and in the direction that they should go. No one is self-made. So those, first of all, that make that proclamation on self-made are full of themselves and not the truth. They have become so pumped up and so broadened on their own arrogance. There are some individuals that come to mind right away. I mean, boom, but they're everyone's hero. Oh, look what they did. They did this and they did. Wow, how can, how can you say that about them? Well, because I speak the truth. And my perspective is that that's exactly what they're doing because when they make statements, it's all about them. And when they profess to be making of their own heaven, and they are actually part of God and they are their own God, then that is being fed of the devil that's falling prey to the white noise and succumbing to his teachings as opposed to the teachings of the word of God and the truth. They might be doing some, um, 
now I forgot the word for this, for the people that do that thing. Um, <coughs> they have a word for it when uh, people do all these really nice things for everybody and they do things for schools and all this stuff. So anyway, um, they might do this. They do a good financial backing and they do all this uh, sort of good things for the schools and the kids and all that. They might do those things and they're, they're what they do outwardly. But what is the reflection actually about? It's still about themselves. Oh, look what they did. Oh, my goodness, we have to put a cornerstone on the building and put a big brass plate right here so when everyone goes by, they can see my name on that building on what I did. Ultimately, that's what it comes down to. And then when they put their own name on products and they put their own name on items and they and things that they're doing that they're putting their stamp on it saying oh look what i did look what i have look at all that i am doing all about me 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 so that's what they're getting well here's what the scripture says about that that they have already got their reward because where their treasure is, so there is their heart. Their heart does not belong to God. It does not belong to the gospel. It does not belong to sharing the gospel. It does not belong to helping anyone to be saved so that they don't perish. It's all about what I can make now, all about what I have now. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Their heart is in the temporal existence. Therefore, they have earned their reward. Scripture talks to that, speaks to that very thing. They have the reward because they don't want to continue in the race to do the right thing, to share the gospel, to help other people to see the truth and running the good race so that when they cross it, they cross a line and they step into the kingdom of heaven and live with Lord Jesus Christ and all their loved ones and their family but those individuals can be spared and they can repent and they can step into heaven. And they can see their loved ones that went before them. So in all those aspects and things I've shared, you have to remember, and those individuals that became those very successful individuals, after being truthful and honest, they will tell you that yeah, I, I failed in some attempts and some things, and then I, I went over this way and it changed direction. Yeah, I stumbled and I fell, and, and I got broke at this point over here, and then I recouped and I did it, and I went a different direction. That in making mistakes, and many believe there are those on the opposite end of the spectrum that believe that... Uh, their victory and their success because they didn't ever make a mistake. They never fell. They never stumbled. They never made an error. They never went a wrong direction. That Those folks are just full of arrogance. And that's what they do. They're, they're claiming that victory in their own strength and their own self 
assuredness and their own self-centeredness. Those are the ones that are in the midst of the room and every single wall is full of mirrors so that they can see themselves in the center of the room. Self-centeredness. But those that speak with real truth and success are those that stumble and they fall and they fail. And brothers and sisters, as a true Christian, a true Christian, and I'm going to use that term a lot, true Christian, because there are those that claim by title only. They are not of Christ. They don't come from Christ. And they don't believe in the gospel. And they don't share the gospel. They claim it in title only. They go to church once a month. They go to special programs once a year. Do they go to prayer meetings? Do they even open the Bible? Sometimes you will go and you will find that Bible sitting in the same place and you can see the little dust ring around the edges because it never moves. It doesn't open. And when you pick up the Bible, you say, oh, you have a Bible. Can I look at it? And you pick it up. You have to blow the dust off of it and the inches of dust that have accumulated because it's never opened and never moved. There are individuals like that that claim and they say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not at all. Of Christ, from Christ. Does that mean that I'm perfect in that walk? No, because he who is perfect has not yet come, and there is no perfection on this plane of existence. That is also in the word of God, the scripture, the truth, the knowledge and wisdom that God imparts. That's not here. And anyone here that claims to be that is also a liar. You have those individuals that stand behind the pulpit and they will claim to be these things. And yet you see and you listen to their teaching. If you have spiritual hearing, you will know that they are lying. You will know that they are teaching false doctrine. And as I've shared with you before, <clears throat> try the spirit before you step across the threshold of that church. I went to one in particular, two times I went, why? Because of all this, all these lies and things that are being pandered down here, first of all, and everything was, was just in a turmoil, and people were so frightened by all these things going on, so they shut down and they did all these things. And not understanding and realizing that the drive was uh, of a satanic agenda anyway. It's not on the agenda as we think it is. Separation, derision is the drive. So... I went to the, this church, two times I went, and I failed to try the spirit before I crossed the threshold. And the second time I went is when I had that encounter and the Holy Spirit took me in and actually stopped me from leaving first and, and I hesitated. <laughs> Pardon me. <coughs> and I hesitated for a moment because the Holy Spirit grabbed me and sort of stopped me for a minute and said, do you hear me now? And it came to the point where this uh, non-uniform Gestapo that the supposed pastor of this church had guarding him, which was really silly. I didn't even get why that was done inside the sanctuary. There were uniformed police officers, which where we're at, the, and because of all these things that have been going on, they are actually assigned a duty and they go to the gatherings at the various churches to protect the people there because people are, they're broken. We're living in a broken place. 
and they will go to a church or a gathering where you have a lot of people and just start shooting it up. But this false teacher, this pervert, had his own protection in plain clothes. And they were, these were just goons. Bottom line, just goons and very aggressive and very physical, actually. I got pushed on. In bottom line, in the bottom line of the law anywhere in, in most of the states that I've ever been in, been in a lot of them, all but Alaska and Hawaii, actually. So in any state, that would have been a physical assault and actually could have been charged back. But the Holy Spirit was using it as an example because I didn't try the Spirit. And that was a very pointed lesson in that I didn't belong there and shouldn't have been there. And the pattern was established in their preaching. But I, I sat through and stayed with my with my uh, friends, my brother and sister there, stayed and then went out with them because I was eager for Christian companionship or following companionship and, and they they liked the place except for all the smoke and the really, really loud, raucous music that was there. <clears throat> but they were also afraid to say anything and I saw the opportunity so I presented myself and Actually, the wife was very gracious, shook my hand, smiled, and said, Hi, well, thank you for coming up there. And, and then when I mentioned that I wanted to say something, the pastor stepped over and stuck his hand out there. And then when I said, Yeah, I want to talk to you about this. And then the, the, I couldn't even shake his hand or anything. The goon stepped over and actually stepped between us. And then it all ensued. So we have to be cautious on where we go and how we present ourselves in things. But these people that claim their success, self-centered and claim their own way, forgetting about God and being God-centered, self-centered. So when we depend on God and we have faith in God, it's not just in um, asking him to bless where we're going and what we're doing, we have to have him centered in that first and present that first. Like, remember, I shared in Nehemiah. Nehemiah, when he was getting ready to go and rebuild Jerusalem and do that because of the sadness and the tug in his heart to do so, he didn't say, okay, I'm going to go do this. And then as he's leaving and got all the stuff and getting the caravan and going, asking God to come along and make a blessing of it, he'd already made the decision to go do this stuff, which is the problem that ensued because those that went before said that they were going to go do that, but they didn't make God the center of that activity and they didn't pray about it. They didn't ask for his, his blessing and his strength. They went over, they started and they quit in the middle of it. They left the walls in shambles. They left the gates unrepaired. They left the temple untouched. Everything was still basically in a shambles. The material was all there, might have had scaffolding up or what have you, but it was not being done. They gave up. They tired out and they said, ah, forget this, this is way too much. But Nehemiah came forward. And remember, also when he was in the king's chambers, boom, shot a bullet prayer out, and then he responded to the king and explained to him what was going on. What did the king do? He was blessed 
Nehemiah was blessed by God because he put on the heart of the king and the king sent Nehemiah with a letter of passage and told all of those that were in the in that kingdom that the God had sovereignty over at that and the world sovereignty over that Nehemiah was to get material, he was to get help, he was to get workers to go with him and they were going to get this completed. So the king helped Nehemiah in the progress. And where did that come from? That came from the hand of God because Nehemiah put God in the middle and made that the priority first. And it talks about the dream. God puts his dream in the heart. The entire Nehemiah's dream was to see that the city was fulfilled because those that had claimed it before. And then when the messengers came from Judah, they let Nehemiah know that it wasn't done, that they had started and then they quit. And there will be times when God will put a dream to look. It's not, dreaming is great. Even making plans to ensure that the dream is fulfilled. Just make God the center of it. Dream a little dream, dream a big dream. That's an old song, by the way, for you youngsters that won't get that analogy. Dream a little dream. Uh, but, uh, never mind. Um, so anyhow, you can dream little, you can dream big, put God in the middle, it doesn't make any difference what it is, big dream, little dream, but God centered it. <clears throat> and as some of my study will say here, that's the beginning of a profound reliance on God and that journey with him, walking in faith that God is center. And here's the other thing too. He didn't mind if during that course, that walk or that travel that we're doing that we got to have to lean over and lean. He knows how weak we are. In our weakness is his strength and we can lean on him as much as it takes to get to the end point. And here's the other thing too, is that God knows that it's not a path that we're walking that's going to be continual success and Success, success, success. Oh, look at them. They must be a Christian. Look how successful. Everything they touch turns into, it's not like the Midas touch. Everything you touch turns to bing, now it's gold. Uh, The Christian walk is definitely not like that. If anything, it's opposite of that, unfortunately, and that's the truth. Why? Because so many people want to knock you down. So many people want to detract from that. Satan wants you to be knocked about and give up, throw your hands up in the air and say, I give up, I can't do this anymore. And the closer the walk you have with God, the more and harder he will come at you. I am going through some things right now, brothers and sisters, but you know what? Praise God. Why? Because that shows me that I am doing something or God is doing something through me that makes the enemy really nervous. I consider that a feather in my cap because God is doing something through me that bothers the enemy, bothers him enough that he's going to come at me hard. I don't like what's happening and I don't like the things that I see, but guess what? That's the way it is in this broken world and that's the way the scripture tells me it's going to happen. Praise my Lord God Almighty Because he is sovereign, and it doesn't matter what the enemy does or brings against me, that God is sovereign. That's all that matters. 
And here's the other thing too. In Psalms 34, 17 and 18, David cries, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. When you're downtrodden and you're, you're hurting, look to God and come to God. David fell a lot. David fell a lot. And everybody, there's so many, I've even, I've even heard those that are in the church body said, yeah, but I don't even, I don't go to the Psalms much because David was such a, man, what a terrible example. No. <laughs> wow. How opposite of what you should be doing. First of all, read the Bible in contextual studies. Everything. You don't pick out and pick and choose through the Bible of what you like, and that's all you're going to study. That's those rose-tinted glasses effect going on again. Oh, I just want to read about the good stuff. I don't want to read about David. He was such a man. What kind of example? That, that example is that he fell, but every time that he did fall, or when he fell, he came back and he professed his weakness, his egregious behavior, and prayed for repentance and forgiveness, and God did and would. However, because he stepped over a little too far, a little too hard, he was not permitted to finish the temple, which is a huge dream that he had. He even drew up the plans for it, but he had to pass that off to his son Solomon to finish because he went too far. And God let him know that. But God did not cast him away, toss him out and say, no, I'm not going to forgive you. And here's the other thing that we have to remember too, brothers and sisters. And not only in the book of Hebrews, but we have, we see where uh, Paul was writing to the church in Corinth. And he reminded him then. And he reminds, so we have uh, 2 Corinthians 5. Chapter 5, 5. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. What does that mean? Well, that means that right now we're walking around this place, we're stumbling, we're falling, we're having issues because we are absent from being with God. And that's why there's, you know, the sorrows that we have because we're not with God and God is love and God is full of light and why we stumble around down here a bit because we are not with the Lord. We're absent with the, from the Lord. And that's where we are. That's our plane of existence. I would rather be in the light with the Lord Jesus Christ, Father God, the Holy Spirit, all combined, we're all there, and heaven is such a beautiful place and that there will be no day or night. Why? Because the radiant light that is there from the Lord and his glory is all sustaining. We don't, there is no night and day. And our loved ones will be there. The reunion that we have be wonderful and glorious. Brothers and sisters, be blessed. Have a really